MSW Media. Please join me in thanking Credit Karma for supporting the MSW Book Club. Credit Karma, apply with more confidence today. Ready to apply? Head to creditkarma.com slash loan offers to see personalized offers. And a big thank you to Jenny Kane for supporting our show today. Get 20% off all furniture and home decor, free shipping on furniture, early product access, and much more with JKH memberships. Join at jennykane.com slash membership. Jenny Kane creates California-inspired classics for any home or mood. Again, go to jennykane.com slash home to create the space you'll never want to leave. So to be clear, Mr. Trump has no financial relationships with any Russian oligarchs. That, that's what he said. I, I, that's what I said. That's obviously what the, the, our position is. I'm not aware of uh, any of those activities. I have been called a surrogate at a time or two in that campaign, and I did have, not have communications with the Russians. What do I have to get involved with Putin for? I have nothing to do with Putin. I've never spoken to him. I don't know anything about him other than he will respect me. Russia, if you're listening, I hope you're able to find the 30,000 emails that are missing. So, it is political. You're a communist. No, Mr. Green. Communism is just a red herring. Like all members of the oldest profession, I'm a capitalist. Hello, and welcome to the MSW Book Club. I'm your host, A.G., And this is the first in a series of our deep dive into the instant New York Times bestseller by Ellie Mastal called Allow Me to Retort, A Black Guy's Guide to the Constitution. And per usual, we have the author here with us today to kick off the series. Please welcome Justice Correspondent for the Nation and MSNBC legal analyst, uh, a legal contributor, Ellie Mastal. Hi, Ellie. Thank you so much for having me about my book. I'm so excited. I'm so excited to dig into this book. I just got it. And and the way that I work, do this is before I crack it, I have I have the author come on and tell us a little bit about uh, the book and and something that instantly clicked with me after reading a lot of these amazing reviews that you've gotten is that you wanted uh, basically to have an easily digestible argument about what rights we have, what rights Republicans are trying to take away, and how to stop them and prevent them from doing that. And the easily digestible stood out to me because that's why I created the entire Mueller She Wrote podcast was so that I could make because the Mueller report was a snoozer. Right. (laughs) And and so I wanted to make it accessible. And that's what you have done for the Constitution. Talk a little bit about the what made you want to write the book, what the process was to to start. Yeah, look, Allison, the the, the de-jargoning the law is important to me because I believe and this is a big reason why I wrote the book. I believe that if everybody understood what the law was and what Republicans are doing to the law and what Republicans want the law to be, if everybody understood it like I understood it, most people would be as angry about it as I am. Like, I don't think I'm special in that regard, right? Same, like, same as on the Mueller probe. Same you know, <laughs> Like, if you just actually could, like, slow it down enough and break it down enough that, like, you know, the average listener, the average reader could get it, well, then the average listener and the average reader would be out in the streets, uh, uh, you know, fighting for this as well. Because it's so, it's so wrong. It's so offensive. It's so illegal what some of these things that they want to do and their their arguments for how or why we should do it are so easily punctured 
like it's not like there the, there's this idea right that the law is like super complicated and only very not smart but expensively educated people can really understand the true when you break down what originalism is when you actually just break it down it's dumb it's dumb on its face there the argument that neil gorsuch has a Ouija board that he can access to, to, to figure out anytime there's an ambiguity in the law, we should go back and listen to Neil Gorsuch's Ouija board of Thomas Jefferson. That's just, that doesn't, that, come on. Come, that's well, and, we, real and, and we see it in the Alito Roe decision, right? Well, you didn't have this right, these rights back when we wrote the Constitution, so you shouldn't have them now. And, he, and he's not just talking to, to people about abortion in, in that particular Sentence, And then the other thing that just blew my mind was that they want to overturn Roe and leave it up to the states, but then they want to put a federal ban on abortion, which no longer leaves it up to the states. They're already making absolutely no sense. And that's why I think this book is going to be so important to understand how just how fucking ridiculous that is it turns out and like i look i i wrote i had the book finished before the dobbs case was uh was taken up by the supreme court um and certainly before the dobbs decision although i had an inkling what it was gonna be um but it turns out my chapter on abortion rights turns out to be a pre-buttle to what alito wrote about the the abortion in the Dobbs case, I basically take his argument on without knowing before I knew that was exactly the argument it was going to make. And one of the reasons is because these arguments that conservatives have made around these abortion issues have been so stupid for so long, it wasn't actually hard to kind of seem like you were anticipating the case because you know what the arguments are and they're always bad this argument that like oh well you can't have these rights because women because the founding fathers didn't think that people had these rights yeah you want to know what else the founding fathers thought about women because it ain't pretty right like if you like like i've said before like yeah in this in the 18th century it was women did not have the constitutional right to finish their sentences so of course they didn't have the constitutional right to their own bodies. These men who wrote the constitution were ra- were racist, rapists, misogynist bastards. What do you think they were gonna say? So I say in my in my chapter, for instance, when and you'll see this when you get there, I say in my chapter on abortion rights, like if you think that the fact that abortion is not explicitly um, acknowledged in the original constitution, I can't help you. I, I, cause, if you still think that that's, that should matter, if you think that it matters what these old dead rapists thought, you gotta, you gotta go with somebody else's book, right? Because I'm gonna start from the premise that like what they thought, what they wanted is not the only thing that could possibly matter in our modern world. Yeah, I, I, and the, you know, there, we'll get to the part where what, what can we do about it? But before we get there, uh, I want to uh, ask about this. It says that your your mission here is to arm readers with the knowledge to defend themselves against conservatives who want everybody to live under the yoke of 18th century white men. And one of the biggest, most uh, like often submitted questions that I get is, how do I tell my Uncle Frank, give me my arguing points at Thanksgiving. Tell me how to talk to my family about these things. And, and by breaking it down into these, you know, quote unquote, digestible uh, and understandable parts. 
I think that that is where you start, right? And so that's kind of one of the one of the central, I think, tenets of this of this book of this project. Oh yeah, oh yeah. The, I think one of my one of my initial working titles was um, how to argue against your Republican uncle, um, because <laughs> the, the, look. <laughs> Conservatives, when they, especially when they get online, when they get when they get a couple of uh, shots of whiskey in them, they sound real confident. Let's right? not drag whiskey into this. Let's not <laughs> of you, their I favorite think... beverage. Um, they, <laughs> they sound they sound real confident. They sound like they really know something, and they can be intimidating, especially if you don't have legal training. And they, well, the Second Amendment says right there in the Second Amendment it says that you have the right to bear arms. And like, no, that's not what it meant. I understand why you think it says that. That's not like there's other things the Second Amendment says, like the well-regulated militia, which is the first part of the Second Amendment. So let's talk about that. So I kind of explain how you take that argument. Oh, the second, for instance, the Second Amendment means an unfettered right to gun access and really break it down into its constituent parts and show how like, well, hey, the Second Amendment didn't say that, like just straight up didn't say that. It's not what it meant. If you go back and look at the history, Second Amendment was there to defend slavery. That's... I'm not going to take away the 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 uh, bury the lead here. The the Second Amendment was was an idea from the slave states to um, the, because they understood that the main way of putting down uh, slave revolts was through the well-regulated militia, and they were afraid that the North wouldn't allow them to have a militia, so they want the Second Amendment so they could put down their own slave revolts. Now, if your Republican uncle wants to come back at me, well, like, well, that's what the Second Amendment meant then, but it's not what it means now, that's an interesting argument. If your uncle wants to say the Second Amendment has evolved from where it was in 1787 to now include a right to bear arms for personal self-defense, that's not an argument that I'm against. I'm interested in that argument, but if we're going to say the Second Amendment has evolved, then certainly we can say the Second Amendment has evolved in terms of what kinds of guns you can use for self-defense, because certainly the Founding Fathers also did not think that you could have an Uzi or a hand cannon or a tank. So mm -hmm. we can have that discussion, right? So it's all these different kind of, you know, as I say at the beginning of the book, the, the people act like the law is, is, is a computer, right? That you can ask it a question and it spits out the answer like some kind of like it's like data from star trek right it's just going to spit out the you know the correct and it's not like that at all the law is an argument mm -hmm. we are an adversarial system and the law is me making my best case for what i believe in and you making your best case for what you believe in and then people figuring out which case is better so a lot of the times, one, uh, one of the things that I try to get people to understand is that you can argue straight up that your interpretation of the law is better than theirs. And that's where they're going to fall down a lot, because like once you once you break down this kind of ridiculous idea that the law comes from on high and you get into just a battle of the best argument for society, I, my side loses people who think like me lose very few very rarely right absolutely uh, i do have to take a quick break right here so everybody stick around we'll be right back Hey everyone, a big thanks to our sponsor, Credit Karma. Building and maintaining good credit has been a big part of my own success and has given me the freedom I need to spend my energy on the things that I love and are important to me in my life. And Credit Karma makes things so easy, no matter what you need to do with your credit. If you're trying to pay down old credit cards, Credit Karma can help you get a personal loan at a better interest rate with a lower fixed monthly payment, making it a simple way to pay down your credit cards. Credit Karma will help you find the best solution for you. Comparing loan offers on Credit Karma is 100% free. It does not affect your credit 
score. They use your credit data to find loan offers that are personalized to you, and they show you the chances of being approved so you can have a better idea of what loan amount you can get approved for. Risk-free. Credit Karma. Apply with confidence today. Ready to apply? Head to creditkarma.com slash loan offers to see personalized offers. Go to creditkarma.com slash loan offers to find the loan for you. That's creditkarma.com slash loan offers. And our show today is brought to you by Jenny Kane. With a new season upon us, it is a great time to bring a new point of view into every room. I recently was able to reset my entire point of view in every room by getting all my stuff out of my house and remodeling everything. And Jenny Kane was the perfect choice. And now that spring is here, I've been excited to invest even more in quality pieces that make every home look and feel complete. Jenny Kane is simply the best place to create the home of your dreams. I recommend Jenny Kane so much. From handmade furniture, kitchen essentials, to throws and pillows that you can pair with anything, Jenny Kane Home is the ultimate source for all things home. Each piece, whether it's a candle or a throw or a sofa, makes the room feel elegant and breathable and complete and calm and spacious. My favorite thing right now is Jenny Kane's gorgeous pillows and throws. I have the alpaca throw made from handcrafted textiles. It's super soft, so comfy and cozy, and it looks great sitting on my couch. I'm thinking about getting a second one for my cat because he keeps taking it from me. <laughs> Jenny Kane Homes creates a California-inspired classic home for any room or mood, grounded in natural textures and in inviting neutrals. These are the pieces you will love coming home to. You can get 20% off all furniture and home decor and free shipping on furniture, early product access, and so much more at JKA with their membership plan. Join at JennyKane.com slash membership. Jenny Kane creates California-inspired classics for any home or mood. Go to JennyKane.com slash home to create the space you'll never want to leave. That's J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E dot com slash home. You'll be glad you did. Everybody, welcome back. We are talking with the author of Allow Me to Retort, Ellie Mistal. This is this has hit me upside the head a few times, right? Like, oh, uh, it, because of something that I disagreed with, that is actually a right. And the thing that comes to my head is the Westboro Baptist Church decision, and and how I hate that speech, but it is free speech. And I was like, well, fuck, dude, that's free speech. And so always kind of being putting yourself in, and I do this a lot recently too, when people are like, throw these guys in jail, throw Jim Jordan in jail. I'm like, well, what? if the Republicans are in charge, would I want that to be the, the way that it should be? Right. And no, we always kind of have to look at the other side of things. That's why I pushed and back that, on the whole, like, we should we should prosecute Fox for lying. I'm like, oh, well, see. The thing no. is, when Fox is in charge of the White House, what do you think is going to happen to CNN? Like, just like right, the <laughs> like the, the First Amendment is, is tricky that way, that you do have to allow some, um, uh, you want to allow a real long runway um, for speech that you disagree with because you know that it comes, you know what comes back around when the actual authoritarians get in charge. But that doesn't mean, and this is another, this is a, a point that I try to make multiple different ways through the book. Just because we have to, I think, respect the other side and res sorry, respect certain aspects of the law doesn't mean that we are impotent and unable to vociferously fight for rights and protections of vulnerable people, minorities, women, the LGBT community. Like none of that, none of that uh, is, should be cabled um, because we're worried about what the right wing will do when they get in power. Because it's not, because if you, if you're fighting for rights kind of in the right way, if you will, um, you really shouldn't have to worry about it. One of the right, right, like the subpoena of the of the Republicans, the the House is actually worried that they'll subpoena them back. And I'm like, well, what great crime have you committed? 
And that and Steny Hoyer actually came out and said, "Fine, subpoena me. I'll show up. What do you want to know about?" Like, right. especially because we know they're going to do it anyway. So like, you, yeah. you, you live, you you got to live your life in a way that you can withstand a Republican subpoena. <laughs> <It's insane. laughs> There's an old proverb. Yes, live your life in such a way that you can withstand a Republican subpoena. I like it. Now, finally, I want to ask you about um, the, this passage here that I that I, I read uh, straight off the review here. You don't need to be a legal scholar to understand your own rights. You don't need to accept the whites-only theory of equality pushed by conservative judges. You can read this book to understand that the Constitution is trash, but it doesn't have to be. Tell us, tell us. Again, tell explain the Constitution is trash, but it doesn't have to be. Yeah, I'm. I'm look, I was, I've been surprised that that line has gotten so much kind of play and, and so much controversy because it's not an actual controversial point, right? I no, make. I, I'm. I'm focused on the it doesn't have to be part. Everyone else is focused on the it's trash part. <laughs> it, like I, 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 I don't think it's a controversial point to say that the that that a, a document written in the 18th century by all white, all male. Uh, 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 sl- many of them slaveholder, colonist, um, misogynist, um, all many of whom were in their 30s, right? So it's like, I don't think, you know, Zac Efron and Justin Bieber getting together to figure out, like, I don't think that that is the best humanity can do forever, right? I think that's somewhat obvious, right? When I say that it doesn't have to be that way, it's because there there are ways of interpreting this document that lead us towards a more equal, more just, more pluralistic society. And I argue that in fact, if it doesn't lead us there, if the constitution cannot be interpreted to lead to a more equal, more just, more pluralistic society, then it is illegitimate on its face. Because Allison, there is no, there is no moral, legal, social philosophy that says I should live under the laws as they would have been interpreted by the people who captured my people and brought us here against the, my will. Mm-hmm. And that's just not a thing, right? So either <laughs> the law means something way more than those people could have conceived of at that time, or the entire American experience is illegitimate. Mm-hmm. And the thing that makes me not a radical, the thing that makes me not like a black nationalist is that I believe that the country could be made legitimate. But I don't think that it's inevitable that we have an illegitimate nation. I think that if we kind of aggressively interpret and extend the Reconstruction Amendments, the 13th Amendment, which prohibits um, involuntary servitude, um, the 14th Amendment that guarantees due process and equal protection, the 15th Amendment that guarantees uh, the right to vote to regardless of race, and the 19th Amendment, which is not a Reconstruction Amendment, but I like to rope it in. I like to pretend that the white men who wrote the Reconstruction Amendments weren't completely misogynist and just pretend that the 19th Amendment was part of that too, which grants women the rights to vote. If we take all those four amendments together, then we have the start of something kind of reasonable. So like the way that I interpret the constitution, it's almost like I interpret the constitution as the 14th amendment and like some suggestions. Good suggestions <laughs> often, but like suggestions that mean nothing if they do not pass muster with equal protection. Well, and that and that's the weird thing too. It's written into the constitution that it's amendable, but Alito would have you believe, even though he's an originalist, that it's not amendable and wants to pretty much just get rid of any amendment that's happened since. It's also important to look at like, yes, the constitution is amendable. And yes, that's a great kind of 
enlightenment thing to do, but look who gets the right. Uh, yeah, how how could they have known how it would be now where you need 37 states or whatever to ratify an amendment and that we've used voter suppression, we've illegally gotten uh, Republican legislatures in, and governors into these states. Like, there, there's, how? what do you but do then? And that's It's also part like, of, look yeah, who gets to amend it, right? Like, the, uh-huh. the, the amendments that gave black people rights were not written by black people. They didn't even ask, right? If you... <laughs> If he had asked no focus groups or anything. the formerly enslaved people what rights, what freedom looked like, they might have had, you know, a more expansive uh, view of rights. They might have included property rights in those uh, amendments. They might have included equal pay rights in those amendments. If they had yeah, asked, they wouldn't women, have been those. There wouldn't have been those loopholes that allowed us to backslide into white supremacy right? even after the uh, the you know uh, Reconstruction. If they asked women what equality looked like around the time they were passing the Nineteenth Amendment, we might not be having an abortion debate right now. If you had asked women back in nineteen twenty what what equal rights truly looked like, right? So even the people who write the amendments um, were white male privileged people the states that ratify the amendments the the, the amendments are ratified by state legislatures you know how many state legislatures were controlled by minorities and women in american history i'll tell you one nevada in 2018 was the first time in american history we had a state legislature that was majority controlled by women not democrat or republican women just women outnumbered men in the state legislature 2018 so even the people who write and ratify the amendments have been almost exclusively white men throughout our history. That just ain't right. That just ain't fair. That just that's not the only way to go. And so again, if we if we're gonna li- if we're gonna say that these laws and and ideas and ordinances are legitimate, then we have to say that they must be interpreted in the most pluralistic, diverse, expansive, equitable way. Or else the whole thing falls apart. Yeah, which I think is what it feels like is happening <laughs> <laughs> right now. Um, so uh, I can't wait to dive into this book. I'm eager and... to hear what you think. I'm eager to hear if you think it is digestible and, and if it does, you know, kind of, you know, loosen up some of the thinking. Because I think the other thing about the book, right, people get very like, you know, it's this way and it can only be this way. And if it's that, then I'm like, man, it could be a lot of ways <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know, honestly, with your approachability, your sense of humor, your your you know, I my I have news with swearing. Like I like we got to make it uh, we got to make it digestible, as you say. So I'm looking forward to getting into it. We will start that next week with the first couple of chapters. Thank you so much uh, for allowing us to to cover this book. We'll see you in uh, a couple months here when we uh, allow uh, questions to be asked by our patrons, our subscribers for for, for the author. We'll be sending that form out to all y'all. And uh, I really appreciate your time today. Absolutely. See you around Labor Day. Yes, we will. Everybody stick around. Uh, actually, no, don't stick around. I'm going to end this episode. So everybody, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health. And please vote blue over Q. I've been AG, and this is the MSW Book Club. The MSW Book Club is executive produced by Allison Gill in partnership with MSW Media and written by Allison Gill and Dana Goldberg. Sound design and engineering by Molly Hockey. Jesse Egan is our copywriter and our art and web designer by Joelle Reeder and Moxie Design Studios. The MSW Book Club is a proud member of MSW Media, a group of creator-owned podcasts focused on news, justice, and politics. For more information, visit mswmedia.com.